there, there's going to be plays that, that Zach makes, that Cody makes, that I, I can't scheme against. Like, yeah, I, yeah. I'm going to be right, and I'm still going to be wrong. Like Brett Favre throwing the end zone the other night? <laughs> Brett Favre's throwing the end zone? The other guy. Who's the guy that plays for the Packers? He's a quarterback. For Aaron Rodgers? Uh, Rodgers, yeah. Aaron Rodgers throwing to the back of the end zone. <laughs> they both had By the way, the I was not joking when I said Brett Favre. I actually said Brett Favre. You are now listening to The Waggle, the official podcast of the Canadian Football League. Welcome to The Waggle Podcast, brought to you by Sport Clips. This podcast each and every week is brought to you by our friends at Sport Clips, known for the Sport Clips MVP haircut experience, massaging shampoos, hot steam towels, sports on TV, like football, hockey, baseball, basketball. Oh, and the legendary haircuts and sports. You can now book your appointment online at sportclips.ca. Davis, how are you? Good afternoon, sir. Are you willing to book an appointment for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers potentially being in the Grey Cup after seeing the Zach attack back and running around like he's healthy again? I did state when when the trade went down and there was... Some sense of skepticism as to why you would trade for Zach uh, because of the injury history. But I said at the time, in a three-game playoff, that's a no-brainer decision to get Zach. And the Bombers went out and did it, and it's paid off. And now you have legitimately, if you can use, there's no question that Zach's going to be the starter. And now, if Strev's back healthy, which it looks like he will be, you have a starter in Zach that, if he has a, if he shows magic like he did on the, I believe it was a Darvin Adams touchdown, if he shows or Lawler, uh, but uh, if he shows some of that magic, he has the touch, he has the understanding of CFL defenses, and if he goes on a run, uh, mixing Strev's in there, the Bombers have a legit shot now, which I thought they did not have one at all previously. So for those who don't remember, he suffered a concussion in week one with the Riders. This is his first game action since week one, and he's 31 years old and has had a struggle with injuries. This is the fifth time he's missed time with a head injury. Uh, he's missed 14 games this year, four uh, last year, none in 2017, but eight in 2016, six in 2015, five in 2014, the question really has not been about his ability. It's been his ability to stay on the field. But now you have a short season. You know what the best ability is? Availability. What? It is one of the football cliches that I feel like is the truest. Why was I so late to catching that? I only heard it for the first time this year. Really? And the person that said it said it like it was so matter of factual and had been said for hundreds and hundreds of years. And I had never heard it before. But... Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't get out much. It, it is matter of fact. I'm, I'm surprised you haven't heard it. Um, you know, by a, a coach pressuring you to get back on the field, a trainer telling you someone's about to take your spot. And Zach's only issue has been his availability. He's only played an entire season once in his career. What I liked about his performance, and you mentioned his ability to scramble, and his numbers were pretty good, 22 of 28, 221 yards, two TDs and INT. 
I love the fact that he got rocked. He got hit s- similar to the way he was put out. Trying to slide, a defender comes in, t- takes him out, got hit in the shoulders, but bounced up. And so that let me know that not just physically is he back. Mentally, he was able to take some licks and and stay in the pocket and make some throws. Yeah, you need that to you know kind of get through that that first that first hit you need to get, and uh, that's uh, kind of oh, wakes you up or or even more. DJ uh, lets you know that. Uh, that you can that you can that you can take a hit and uh because there has to be especially with that injury i've never i've never had a concussion and never had one or never had one documented i'd say both i mean i don't i've never had one documented and i don't remember i've definitely seen you know been fuzzy for a second uh you know have my bell rung a bit but never it's it never carried on to the next series or later in the game so yeah I don't I really believe I don't think I've I've ever had a concussion um so but so I I don't know how that affects a guy but I I could imagine that if you if any hit to your head or 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 touch to your head or any sort of contact contact to your head could potentially end your career and you know that uh, that'd be scary. So it would almost be good to get some sort of contact there and then feel okay. Would would be a, I think would be a pretty good feeling and, and necessary. See, I think you never had a concussion in the era that you played in. I think if you played now, and you went to the sideline and said, "I got my bell rung," people would say you're in the protocol, and you may not end up end up being something that had lasting yeah. effects. But you may have been taken off the field. I remember, you know, the seeing stars. I remember mm-hmm. that, and it goes away after a series or two. So I, do I have a concussion documented? No, but did I probably have one? Sure. The interesting thing to me when you look at this West race is the guy that replaced Zach, and that's Cody Fajardo. He gets a two-year extension uh, worth 450 per, 16 TDs, 8 INTs, had a nice night. Again, this week, 429, passing 25 completions, two TDs. But more importantly, the final drive starts on the six-yard line, and he marches them. So Saskatchewan can win the West with a win at home against Edmonton. With a win, the Riders secure um, a home playoff game with the win that they just had. If I were to ask you the way they're playing right now, based on what you've seen, I know the sample size on Caleros is short. To rank the QBs from one to four in terms of the ones that are going to make the playoffs, in terms of your level of confidence in them in a do-or-die situation. West? Just the West. Just the West. So... You've got Edmonton and Trevor Harris. You've got Winnipeg and Zach Claros. You've got Calgary and Bo Levi-Mitchell. And you've got Saskatchewan and Cody Fajardo. That's a great question. So we're, we're talking uh, rank them in a one-game one one scenario. Not have nothing to do with what they've done in the past. Or just about how they are right, right, right now. now. And how they will perform in a one-time playoff game mm-hmm. right now. It's great. Because whoever is number four is going to feel some type of way. Okay. So you're still making me do it, though, huh? Correct. I'll do it, too. I mean, just people care more about what you have to say than what else. <laughs> that's, that's debatable. Um, number one is Bo. Sure. Agreed. Agreed. 
this is great. I want to I want to be uh, thoughtful with this. I don't just want to uh, say it because you just dropped this on me. So I do want to be thoughtful. Qu- uh, question about it is: Am I taking into consideration uh, th- their team? Uh, how am I taking into consideration how much success I think they're going to have, or uh, who, who's the best quarter? Who's the best quarterback in a one game situation? Best quarterback. Okay. Trevor Harris. Okay. That's number two. And number three? Cody Fajardo and Zach Colero. So Zach is four. So you're giving him that that don't impress me much based on what you saw. I was impressed. I was impressed with Zach because my expectations were extremely low because of what I've seen over the last few years. Zach Hey look Bo's first for sure Yes Look I don't care they, Trevor Harris Is Does a lot of things uh, That uh, Puts up a lot of numbers and, and Definitely He doesn't have the strongest arm But in regards To dissecting a defense And being extension Of what Jason Moss want, Wants offensively And whoever else Jamie Elizondo Whatever He's damn good at it He gets the ball out of his hands He knows where he's going He's damn good Now How many of those numbers Has he put up in the playoffs Yeah not very many And how many has he put up Against Calgary Probably none <laughs> I think he's ever beat Calgary Has he No he has no, not No and, and, and the red zone problems Like I, trust me I'm saying this Like he Trevor should be It should have been a no brainer One two Bo Trevor Just like that Without hesitation Sure But you heard the hesitation In my voice Because But I still I, I can't put those other Look Cody Fajardo Has been amazing He's Could be a potential MOP guy I don't think he'll win it But he could be potential We'll talk about your article uh, on CFL.ca, actually, the the analysis you gave on Trey, Trey Roberson. Let's talk about that after too. Okay, which was well done. But I'm gonna pick it. I'm gonna pick at it a little bit. Sure. Yeah. So yeah, that's the. I don't because of that, and and I don't know if Trevor. I don't know if Trevor's Trevor doesn't have what Bo has. Trevor doesn't, to be quite frank, Trevor doesn't have what Hank has. And and that I haven't seen that ability to just completely dominate and take over a game. I do see the skill to put up 400, 500 yards, and in a single game because he's that he can be accurate and he, he dissecting defenses and all that. So I put him above Cody Fajardo's been he's been a backup for however many years for a reason, and it's not a knock on Cody. He just doesn't didn't have necessarily the talent. Um, yet uh, he's developing, but of, of those other guys. So, uh, what's yours, Deej? Because I've, so I've talked enough. The Bo's won. No discussion needed there. He, all those rings and things you sing about, bring him out. He's got them. <laughs> uh, number two, I have Cody. They gave him a two-year extension for 450 for a reason. His ability to be aware of down-distance situation. I know we need six. I may have to pull it down and dive and get seven. Uh, he, his ability to manage a game uh, is impressive. And we saw it on, on the game-winning drive this week. So now it's three and four. I have Trevor Harris four. I have Zach Claros three. Wow. And here is why. Of those, of those four, in terms of making plays off script, in terms of keeping a play alive, Pulling it down, running with the football, uh, throwing it di- from 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 different arm slaps while 
onslaughts while on the run. I, I think it's I think it's Zach. Trevor, where do you have Zach? Three. Okay. Trevor Trevor is great. Trevor is outstanding. He, he's he's put up passing numbers when he's healthy better than anyone in the league. But if I'm a defense and in a one game scenario, I have to prepare for one guy. I think I'd prefer to prepare for Trevor because I know where he's going to be. Five-step, seven-step, ball comes out on time. Mm-hmm. So if I can scheme against that, I'm okay. There, there's going to be plays that, that Zach makes, that Cody makes, that, that Bo throws into windows that he shouldn't, that I, I can't scheme against. Like yeah, I, yeah. I'm going to be right, and I'm still going to be wrong. Like Brett Favre's throwing the end zone the other night? <laughs> Brett Favre's throwing the end zone? <laughs> the other guy. Who's the guy that plays for the Packers? He's a quarterback for Aaron the Packers Rogers? now. Aaron uh, Rodgers? Rodgers, yeah. Aaron Rodgers throwing to the back of the end zone. <laughs> they both had By the way, the I was not joking when I said Brett Favre. I actually said Brett Favre. <laughs> Brett Favre. Um, uh, that, yeah. So that's, that's my... Shout out to camera phones. That's my... That is my one to four. But, I mean, listen, everyone has an opinion. What is yours? Hit us up on Twitter. Let I us would know love, if we got I would this. love to hear. Yes, please please add us with this because I, really I really want to know what people think. But you can't just give us one, one to four. To four. Like, give us the reasons. Show your work. No, you don't got it. No, no, that's too much. You don't got it. No, you, you, you can tell us why we're wrong or why you're right. On one. You don't give us a breakdown of each one. Come on, DJ. No one's going to do all that work. It's like Jeff Creever. Jeff Creever sends the article. Shout out to Jeff Creever here at .ca. But he sends out questions for us every every Sunday night, I believe, and, and uh, wants to know, like, I forget what the article's called, but it comes out every Monday. And it's... Uh, I think it's like thoughts around the league, and uh, he asks like three pretty pretty good questions of you know goings on in the league. Do you get weekly it? Weekly say is what it's called. What weekly say? Yeah. Thank you. You just pulled it up on your computer. I, I saw certainly you. did. I saw you. Uh, so Jeff Creever's weekly say on .ca. Check it out. But he wants us to. We can't just answer the question. We have to show our work. And then he wants quotes. So a lot of times I I refrain because. I'd, first of all, on Sunday night, I don't really feel like I'm burnt out from everything. And I don't really feel like giving a paragraph answer as to why I think this guy does this. At least because if I'm going to give an answer, I want it to be thoughtful and not just um, you know, waste of space and letters. That's one reason. And uh, second of all, then also some of the opinions I have, they're not, they're not for public consumption all the time, like on a Sunday night. You know what I mean? So Jeff gets mad at me and tells me to send my my answers in. I tell him I, I'll give this one off the record, but not on the record. That's why they listen to the waggle to get your thoughts both on and off. The <laughs> Coming up on the podcast, Rob Vanstone, the author of "100 Things Rough Riders Fans Should Know and Do Before They Die." Riders fans, listen up. Would you and a friend like to see the winning CFL team hoist the Grey Cup and get inspired to accomplish your own goals and dreams? Well, Athabasca University has a contest for you. All you have to do is complete their pop quiz to find out who your on-field persona is. And you'll be entered to win the grand prize of a flight for two to Calgary with hotel accommodations for three nights from Friday, November 22nd to Sunday, November 24th and two tickets to the Grey Cup on November 24th at beautiful McMahon Stadium. Visit cfl.ca slash aupopquiz to find out who your player persona is and be entered to win a trip to the Grey Cup. 
Our next guest on The Waggle is Rob Vanstone, the author of 100 Things Rough Rider Fans Should Know and Do Before They Die. The book is from Triumph Books. And Rob, thank you so much for joining us. And why this book? How did you come up with the idea of not only to write about the riders, but list the things that they should know and do? And how'd you come up with a hundred of them? That was actually a, a, a matter of whittling it down. I, I was approached by the publisher. They've done a, a lot of books of this nature for Major League Baseball, National Hockey League, National Football League, etc., NBA. And uh, it's been a formula that's worked for them with, with, in a lot of sports and a lot of leagues. And they, they approached me, and it was their first foray into the Canadian Football League. And they figured, let's start with the Rough Riders because of the the following that they have in the, the history. So, and they, and they, they gave me a lot of autonomy as far as deciding on a hundred things. And I initially had a list of about 150, 160 and, um, whittled it down to, uh, a hundred and then cheated a little bit. They, 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 they gave me the option of doing some sidebars and little asides on things that might work as a, as a, bit of an attachment to a chapter. So it ended up being 120 things and not a hundred. So I'm, I'm uh, the hundred is a little misleading. I, I, I fudged it. Got it. Well, the book comes out November 5th and it's a list of the most memorable moments, biggest personalities, must do activities that define Saskatchewan football in writing it. Did you come across something via your research that you didn't know before? There, there were a few little nuggets there, and I, I, I'm, I'm so old that I've, I've written about a lot of this stuff before. So I, I was kind of intrigued by, in the process, what am I going to find out that I didn't know? And uh, because you, you want to be, you want to write this for people, in some cases who really aren't, aren't too familiar with the team and want to find out a bunch of these things. And, and I'd written a couple of books about the Rough Riders before, and I've followed them all my life, so. I took it as a bit of a challenge to, to get some little nuggets that, that I thought would be um, at least raise my an, antennae. And uh, I, I really lucked out in the first chapter. Um, uh, I had a conversation, or for the first chapter, which was in the 2013 Grey Cup, which was played in Regina, and I, had a, I chatted with Darian Durant. And uh, he, he told me, this is hardly you know, earth-shaking news, but he said after the... 2013 Grey Cup in Regina, he celebrated, obviously, and then went home, got changed, and threw himself into the utter madness that was the 13th mile on Albert Street in Regina, where all the fans were celebrating. And here's the starting quarterback of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, just thrown three touchdown passes to give the team its first ever Grey Cup victory on its home field. And he's walking around and enjoying the celebration with all the fans on the street. And he, he told me that you know a few fans kind of did double takes and said, is that you? He goes, yeah, it's me. And I thought, what a great bit of Canadiana that is. Where else would this happen but in the CFL? If, you know, Tom Brady, for all the amazing things that he's done, I don't think he's he's been seen on the streets of Boston uh, at any point reveling with, you know, with the fans. But I thought this just typifies the Canadian Football League and the accessibility and its charm that, the, that someone who's just done something like that for a franchise wants to – you know, and share it with the fans, and they're able to share it with him. I, I, I was really pleased that he gave me that little anecdote because I thought it got me off to a nice little start. Speaking of the Patriots, I thought this was kind of cool, and I, I found this actually from another another book that written by an author named John John Chaput, 
Uh, he did a book on uh, on the Rough Riders and or part or wrote about the Rough Riders in a book. And uh, Bill Belichick's father, Steve, a legendary coach in his own right, was a guest coach with the Rough Rider training camp in 1958. I thought, man, is that ever cool? What a small little football world this is. Uh, well, Rob, as we're as we were speaking here, I, I had no choice but to go on to Amazon. And uh, DJ, what do you see here? Is this not? Is this an, on my computer? Is that not an order completed? An order completed for the Rob, book. So I have I have just ordered a copy. I have just ordered a copy Amazon Prime, but it's saying that it's the there is a uh, wait list. So I'm on the pre-order list. I have purchased the book. Thank you, Davis. I'm very honored that you would do so. I hope I hope they'll let me do an Alouettes or a Stab Peter book one day. Maybe I can. Uh, <laughs> Maybe there I can do go. a David Sanchez chapter. Well, we had the uh, we did have the the. 2000 and the famous 2009 Grey Cup that we uh, we are interconnected with. With uh, I got a good one for you here. For this is for the next book, but uh, coming out of the tunnel for the 2009 Grey Cup in Calgary, which is the 13th man and uh, Riders and Alouettes, which I was a part of. Uh, my now uh, partner at TSN, Matt Dunnigan, who was at that time working for TSN, uh, was. St- Doing on field, I guess he was. I guess the panel must have been set up near the tunnel where we get introduced. So I don't know Matt Dunnigan at the time. I obviously grew up watching him, and I know who he is, but I don't have a personal relationship with him at the time. And I'm getting ready, and they're announcing the players to come out of the tunnel. And I'm standing next to uh, one of my teammates there, and Matt's standing there, and he reaches over to me and he says, "Hey, uh, just a heads up," he said, "they're they're going to be coming after you today." And at that point, I was so ready for the game that it just kind of like in one ear, out the other. Uh, you know, I always expected a team to come after me. I'm a corner. They're going to come after me. But he made a sp- and afterwards, I thought about it. And this, this was a, a very specific um, uh, point that Matt made to come and tell me that they were coming after me. And I, I look back on it and I've, I've laughed with Matt about it since, thinking, you know, I was 34 years old at the time. I'm a Canadian corner. Uh, when you look at the depth chart of that Montreal team, I would probably circle me as someone you would go after. But for the national broadcaster to come and whisper in my ear minutes before I walk out the tunnel that I'm, I'm the mark on the game plan, uh, I always felt was an interesting decision by Matt Dunnigan and uh, – and uh, I thought it was pretty funny. So it's something I'll always remember. And how did that go? <laughs> well, it didn't work out too well for for the Riders. With uh, their offense was 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 really good. My, I had a, I had a pretty solid game. I don't think I gave up anything on on my end. It was pretty solid. But uh, but uh, yeah, it was. Uh, they kicked. I always say this: the best the best team. Um, the best team won that year. The best team that day surely did not win the Grey Cup. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's so strange. I mean, the, the Rough Riders never trailed when there was actually time on the clock. And uh, you know, that, that's part of their history. They just had so much Grey Cup misfortune. Uh, just uh, this franchise at the cornerstone for the league. And, and yet when it gets to the big game, there have only been four championships. And there's a story I like to tell. I made sure I included this one in the book that, there used to be a, a linebacker named Mark Cosmos uh, played in the played in the early seventies or early to mid seventies and and he won Grey Cups with the with the Alouettes in nineteen seventy the 
the Hamilton Tiger Cats in 72, Ottawa in 73, and the Riders in 76. I mean, Ottawa Rough Riders in 76. And then he wore the same pair of cleats in each of those games. So Mark Cosmos' pair of cleats have been a part of as many Great Cup victories since the Saskatchewan Rough Riders <laughs> who have been around since 1910. Uh, like, how does that happen? Wow. You mentioned their, their Great Cup history and misfortune. What do you make of this year's team and their ability to add some positive history for Rider Nation? I, uh, I wish I had 101 chapters. <laughs> I, I, book publishing being what it is, the, the manuscript was due February 1st, and uh, it's uh, been gnawing at me a bit. I just, I, I was almost, I thought about writing a couple of more chapters, going to the photocopier and printing off like a pile of, of, uh, of, uh, of addendums to this book because I just, I'd love to be able to include a Cody Pajardo chapter. I, there's a chapter in there on Craig Dickinson. I, he was hired as a rider head coach in January, so I included him. Uh, Jeremy O'Day, the, the Rough Riders general manager, I was able to get that in. John Ryan signed with the team in, in the spring, and I, so I made a late change, but put the John Ryan chapter in there. And, and I was able, even able to include the, the rain-shortened or storm-shortened game in Montreal back back in August, uh, I got that in right at the buzzer. So there's there's a bit of content in there about about the 2019 Rough Riders. But I just wonder if this is going to be the fifth Grey Cup. You just and I never saw this coming. It just it's such an unfathomable story and such a great one. Even even if this team doesn't ultimately win at all, you look at all the factors and all the impediments that were or perceived impediments that were thrown in front of this team. Chris Jones signs a contract extension in January and very soon leaves. And, and with the coaches or football operations salary cap in place, the riders had to deal with the, uh, with the status almost at, even if they hadn't wanted to, to embrace the status quo, as far as finding replacements, their hand was forced. And uh, there were candidates for the head coaching job or people they wanted to talk to such as Paul Lapolis and Jamie Elizondo that they weren't allowed to talk to. And so, you know, Craig Dickinson was the head coach, but there weren't a lot of alternatives. And you just wondered if right from the start, this year was kind of cursed. And then three plays into the season, Zach Caleros is concussed and suddenly they're out with there without their starting quarterback. And they were already out with their, their, they were already without their future hall of fame left guard, Brendan Labatt, who began the season and missed a significant portion of it due to injury. So you just wondered if all those things were conspiring against the Rough Riders of 2009, and now they're one victory away from finishing first for only the second time since uh, 1977. It's absolutely an amazing story. And uh, if there's a reprint of this book, there's certainly going to be a lot of 2019 content in it, regardless of where it goes. Cody Chapter might be a book, Cody Chapter, Cody Fajardo might be a book in and of himself. And if he keeps going the way he is, there may be, uh, there may be one written on him quite soon. So, you know the fan base more than I do, so correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like as great as it was to win at home when hosting the Grey Cup, if this team, given everything that you just described, were able to go into Calgary, into a hated rival's barn, and win with Craig Dickinson, uh, I almost feel like Riders fans would revel in that more so than, than winning at home. What's your prediction on how the season is going to end up for this team? I, it's, 
it's interesting because of all the things they've done this year, they still haven't beaten the Calgary Stampeders. That's the one unchecked box. And even if the West uh, final is held in, in Saskatchewan, I still think they have to go through Calgary in a way to get to the Grey Cup. But this is a team that went into Calgary not so long ago and, and gave, threw a scare into the Stampeders without playing exceptionally well it was a flawed performance they only lost by two so I think they've progressed to the point where they can beat Calgary if there's a year in which Calgary is vulnerable this is probably it so if they they can get the whole if they can get the West final at home I think they go on to beat Calgary and if they if they go on to the Grey Cup Calgary is a virtual home game for them it's it's uh remember in 2013 Davis the the percentage of fans in that stadium who were cheering for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders was 1995, correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, it, there was a pall over the entire stadium because of the, of the result of that game. So they have the luxury of having the closest thing they're going to have to a home playoff or a home Grey Cup if they go to Calgary. And the story almost writes itself if they go back there 10 years after the, the 13th man. If they get first place, they'll have won 13 games in a year in which they're trying to complete or erase the, the 13th man. So if they can get to that Grey Cup in Calgary, by winning a West final at home against the Stampeders. I, I would think that it's favorable for them, but through their history, the strongest rider teams haven't been the ones that have won. That's the, that's the strange thing about them. They, they would win as a, if they win as a front runner, that's a bit of a, an exception when you consider the way things have gone. They won 14 games in 1970. The franchise record didn't get to the Grey Cup. Uh, they finished first in 1976. We're the we're the best team in the league right through the through to the Grey Cup game, and Ottawa won. They then finished first in 2009, and uh, and uh, well, then they couldn't beat David David Sanchez as much as they tried to target him. <laughs> what, uh, Rob? Uh, what is the the sense? Uh, in that, uh, you're obviously there a lot. What is the sense in that room with the guys on the riders? Do, do they feel, obviously they're confident, but uh, talent-wise, is, is there a sense that this, uh, where does this group match up with the rest of the West talent-wise? Is this the most talented team in, in, the, in the West? I'm not sure if it's the most talented. Uh, you look at, I, mean, uh, you, you, I think it's, it's got very good talent. I think what it, what it is, is the deepest team in the West. They've uh, they've they've dealt with some injuries this year. Their offensive line, time and again, has had has had setbacks. I mentioned Brendan Labatt earlier, but they've had a revolving door, and they've been moving people all over the place on the offensive line, and, and they've been able to do that because of depth. Uh, you look at their quarterback position. You know, Zach Claros goes down, and they've got Cody Fajardo, who virtually nobody had heard of, coming in and doing what he has done. Uh, I think the fact that uh, going into the trade deadline, people around here looked at the Ryder roster and said, okay, what do they have to do at the trade deadline? And the, the widespread conclusion was nothing. Yeah, and they ultimately didn't make any moves at the deadline because they're such a deep team. And uh, that, that, like, that to me is their, is their strength. And that's, uh, they've got this, this reservoir of, of players who are ready to step in and, and uh, keep the, play at a high level if they do encounter some uh, some misfortunes and uh, uh this time of year when when it gets colder and the hits seem harder i, I think that'll that'll stand them in good good stead i'm not sure they're the most talented but i don't think anybody 
has uh, better depth than the Rough Riders do, and that's a big reason for their record. Rob, I'm going to get a prediction here from you. Let's uh, let's let's say the Riders. I'm pretty sure we're gonna we're gonna give the Riders the win this weekend against Edmonton. The Riders will host the West, the Western Final. Who will the Riders play in the Western Final? Who will play in the Eastern Final? And what's the Grey Cup matchup going to look like? Ooh, let's see here. Um, my predictions are notoriously bad and have been known to curse some teams. So uh, I hope I don't get vilified for this one. But uh, you're right, Davis. I mean, they should, they, should, they, should, they should win this game against Edmonton. I'm not sure of the extent to which the Eskimos are going to rest their personnel, such as Trevor Harris. But uh, a home game for first place, that would that seem, would seem to me to be a, an opportunity for the Riders. I think the really cool matchup would be if Zach Caleros and the, and the Blue Bombers were to come here to play Saskatchewan in the in the uh, West Division uh, final. But uh, you know, Calgary is still a formidable team, one to be feared. So I think Calgary beats Winnipeg. Calgary comes here. Riders beat Calgary. Uh, Hamilton looks, you know, not long. Hamilton doesn't seem to get talked about as much as as uh, as it should be, considering they're you know, that they're fourteen and three, uh, and in the tremendous football team. So. Hamilton beats uh, Montreal in the East final, and then Riders go on to Calgary, and and uh, and uh, well, that, that would be quite the spectacle to see the you know ten years after the thirteenth man. If the Riders can uh, can uh, get to that Grey Cup in Calgary, I'm just not sure this is a team that can be stopped. They would they would have such overwhelming support, you would think, in Calgary. Anytime the Riders go to Calgary, it it feels like it feels like it's fifty fifty in the crowd. So if, if they're the home, if they're the so-called home team for the Grey Cup, watch out. Rob, I cheer for storylines. I'm cheering for the Riders to get there in Calgary, and I'm cheering for the opponent to be Montreal, so we can have a a thirteenth man revenge game, if you will. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you, you you always want the the angle to work out where it's just the the optimal writing or broadcasting experience, and that one, you know, I. Maybe I'm conceding the East Division title to Hamilton so readily that it never, I never gave the Alouettes their due. They've, they're a bit like the Rough Riders, though, in that, in that this is a team I don't think a lot of people were expecting much of, and, and they, they had some, uh, they had some upheaval as far as their football operations as did the Rough Riders. Montreal had it a lot further into the process, and then they had this quarterback who comes out of nowhere. And who, like Cody Fajardo, had been almost typecast as a short yardage guy. That's what he. That's what he was in Saskatchewan in 2017. Vernon Adams Jr. And look at the wonders he has worked. And they've got this head coach that the players absolutely, absolutely love. Kahari Jones, who was part of the Ryder team in, in 20, 2013, um, as the quarterbacks coach with with Darian Durant. I think he's held in in the type of regard in Montreal by the players as is. Craig Dickinson in Saskatchewan. So you have these teams that have their their seasons have almost mirrored each other in in a way without the you know, the chaos that that the Alouette ownership situation became. But you look at the way they've evolved in two teams with these coaches that are beloved and two teams that I think have have overachieved in the eyes of some. Meeting in in the tenth anniversary uh, game in Montreal. Yeah, that one. That one writes itself. I almost want to do a column right now just touting that possibility because that, uh, oh, my goodness, there wouldn't be enough space to control me if that game uh, materializes. 
two first-year head coaches who got their positions in less than ideal circumstances, two uh, first-year really starter QBs um, who were counted out and seen as depth guys. Um, it would be it would be pretty special, and, all, and obviously two great fan bases as well. L- lastly, before we let you go, uh, just talk to me about what it means to be a writer or a writer fan. I remember Ricky Foley telling me after his experience playing there, he wished every CFL player got the chance to play for the province because it's it's different. And even traveling for me, you know, going to Hawaii, going to Mexico, it's very weird seeing rider merchandise locally being sold and seeing rider pe- fans wearing wearing green, you know, at the airport no matter where you are in the world. What is it about this franchise that is so uniquely different? I don't, some people have said it's all we have out here and that that can be viewed is disparaging, but when you look at professional sports, and with all due respect to the Saskatchewan Rush, Rush Lacrosse team, this is this is the one professional sport in in uh, there's a basketball team in Saskatchewan, in Saskatoon as well, but this is the one professional sport. It's the one entity that around the world is is associated with Saskatchewan. Even it's even been mentioned on the Simpsons, things of that nature. And, it, and no matter there's so many Saskatchewan expatriates, and no matter where they live there's always that attachment and you've, you've seen it and I'm sure Davis has seen it when you go across the league and, and uh, there's rider fans, there's rider fans everywhere. And uh, so I think that that's, it, it's just that common thread that, that everybody has, no matter where they live, uh, they're fans of that team. And it just, it's a different spectacle here because there isn't a national hockey league team and, uh, you know, as, as big as Bo Levi Mitchell is in Calgary, uh, there's still there's still the Calgary Flames. Whereas, you know, a guy like Cody Fajardo, someone like Glenn Dobbs, Ron Lancaster, Kent Austin, uh, Darian Durant, Kerry Joseph, they're absolute kings here. And I think we saw a bit of that when Cody Fajardo signed a contract extension with the Rough Riders just over uh, just over a week ago. And this is a player who would have had options had he waited until free agency in February. Uh, and he probably could have gotten uh, more money than he did from the Rough Riders by re- when, he, when he re-signed at this point. But he just liked it right away. There was something about coming out of the tunnel. There was something about the fan bases. His personality meshed with the community so well that, that someone who'd never spent time in Saskatchewan except as a fly-in, fly-out visitor just felt loved here and embraced the people in return. And, and I think Cody Fajardo is an example of that, that kind of flavor, that, that, that feeling, that buzz, that, that, uh, that mindset that, that makes Saskatchewan a real special place. It's not for everybody because the scrutiny is so unrelenting. And, you know, if you have a great game and a great career, you could be a hero here, but it could also turn on you if things don't go well, but if, if, things go right and you're a popular player here I think you can also set yourself up post football and Ricky Foley got it he just loved it right away and when he was when he when he was traded away it was even though he didn't spend most of his career here and isn't from here I think people because he got it and appreciated it people felt that sting a little bit more because he's someone who just like Cody Fajardo has now dove into it embraced it and loved it and uh and uh, there's really nowhere else 
like it in terms of the attention as far as the, I think the fact that the publisher came to me and said, you know, they want to put a toe in the water as far as the Canadian Football League, Saskatchewan is the place to start. I think that says something about the Rough Riders and their fan base and, and their history. I hope I've honored it uh, correctly and appropriately and as thoroughly as I as I could. Thank you for sharing some of those insights, some of those 100 things with us. The author is Rob Vanstone. The book is 100 Things Rough Rider Fans Should Know and Do Before They Die. It's out November 5th with Triumph Books. It's loaded with stats, facts, and anecdotes. Uh, thank you so much for sharing some of those stats, facts, and anecdotes with us on The Waggle this week. Oh, it's an honor to be with you. Thanks so much, uh, Davis. Thanks, Donovan. Pre- appreciate you, Rob. I, I think I can speak for most CFL fans. If you're a fan of the CFL, you're a fan of the Riders. Uh, it's uh, a great thing you guys have going on there, and you've obviously been a major part of it for a long time. So uh, much respects to you and, and uh, the whole Rider Nation. Thanks, Rob. Well, thank you, Davis. I appreciate it. Thanks again, Donovan. It's the eve of Halloween, which means Grey Cup is less than a month away. And we'll be catching glimpses of zombies walking the streets soon. As they say, if you can't beat them, join them. Why not go as the ever-trending zombie football player? Yes, it's an actual costume I've checked. You might even already have everything you need to pull this off. Stiff, sore knee included. Knee pain much? If you're still haunted by knee pain come November and you're ready to trick or trade your knee pain relief, you should visit kneepainrelief.ca. Kneepainrelief.ca is a website about osteoarthritis that provides resources to help you relieve symptoms associated with the condition, like pain and stiffness, so that you can kick your zombie knee goodbye after Halloween. The information in this podcast about osteoarthritis of the knee is intended for informational purposes only and is in no way intended to substitute for professional medical advice to contradict medical advice given or for medical advice of any kind. So let's have a little MOP talk. You alluded to it earlier. There's been lots of talk about the MOP this week. Milt Stiegel had some things to say about the fact that it's a shoo-in for Brandon Banks to win. What did you say about the Speedy B? Why was he going off so hard today? Because he wanted to create some separation, <laughs> I think, from Burnham. So, because yeah. I think I don't think we'll see Speedy B right. next week. No. He can change his name to MOP because I think he's not only MOP right. of the mm-hmm. East, he's the MOP of the CFL. Ooh. Speak. I think so. Speak. I, I think it's safe to say he's wrapped that up. In well, my I mean. Dwayne Ford, during his broadcast, said, hey, if we're talking about a MOP from Hamilton, let's not sleep on Dane Evans. Well, I think there's a, a great conversation to be had. Obviously, Brandon Banks is one of the, the most talked about candidates. Would you get another you one know, from Hamilton? Go out, you know, I, I don't think Dane Evans has been mentioned enough in, in the conversation. I think when you, you look sort of week by week at what he's done, and yeah, he didn't, didn't start until about a month into the season when Jeremiah Masoli went down, but... He has kept that offense yeah. humming right along. Also in the conversation, we have to shout out Andrew Harris, who some people feel like with the numbers he's put up should be in the conversation. Others feel like with him missing some time that takes him out of the conversation, he became the all-time leading rusher amongst Canadians, something that 
he didn't even know that he was in the running for, and he was pretty excited to do it. So I think breaking a record will put him back in the conversation because people just love when records are broken. But I made the case for a defender to be MOP. Mm. In all day, Trey. <laughs> you are a defender. I feel like we are eliminating half of the population of football players in having this conversation. I mean, Solomon is a guy who's had some conversation about him winning it in the past but essentially he won the, it he, correct but yeah. but even there's been other years where he was in the the, the conversation right, when right, he right. didn't win right. but essentially it has been a award for quarterbacks receivers the odd running back yeah. mainly quarterbacks i think we need to diversify our minds when we look at who should win it and that's why i said trey should be candidate this year your thoughts are what? First of all, the piece, if you have not seen it, you could probably go back into the video archives on .ca and, and, uh, and check that out from, from DJ here. It was very well done. Uh, so here's the, here's the take. You can be the most valuable player, most outstanding player as a defensive back if three of the following things occur. Oh, okay. First thing. You have to be the best best at your position in the league. Check. That's up for debate. Oh, who's, for, who, who are we throwing out Winston there? Winston Rose has been pretty good. So it's up for, not to say that he, he's not, but it's, a, it's up for debate. Okay. Okay. Se- secondly, uh, you need to uh, be a returner or, or possess the ball in other ways and affect the game in other ways, which – Pick six affect the game. One hundred percent, they do. And, and cover, Turner, locking okay. people up affects the game. But okay. it just—I'm not saying what that it's, it's not. It's fair or not. This is just the way. Unfortunately, this is the way it is. Okay. So you need to affect it. You need to first you need to be the best at your position, hands down, and that's debatable. Secondly, you need to affect the game on special teams as a dynamic returner, aka Dion Dion Sanders. Thirdly, and most importantly, you need to eliminate the other team's best receiver week in, week out for the whole season. And there's a blank, there's a blank in that box when it comes to Trey Roberson. The fact that he's not following the best receivers on every team around the field, that to me automatically would take him out of the conversation for most outstanding player. Is that something that's more difficult to do in Canada? A million percent. And th- this is not this is this is not Trey's problem. Mm-hmm. This is uh, this is the way the way the CFL game is, and the fact that a cornerback and in the NFL the guy that plays the left cornerback and the right cornerback essentially do the same job. Um, in the CFL, that's not the case. The guy that's on the field side or the boundary side do different jobs. The guy that is lined up in the slot uh, versus a waggle has a different job. And also, if you're going to match up, here's the th- let's talk about matchups real fast and why teams don't necessarily have their defensive back follow guys around. If you're playing a, a zone, you have to. If you're going to follow. And, and, and let's, use, let's use Speedy B, for example, since he's the best in the league right now. If Trey Roberson was, they were going to say, 
Uh, okay, here you go. You're now going to follow Speedy B everywhere he goes. He's your man no matter where he lines up. If he lines up, if you're, you have to play, do the same thing in zone and in man so that you're not tipping off what defense you're playing by where you go. So if now Trey goes into the slot on the field side on one snap and there's a zone called, he has to know all the responsibilities and the checks in that zone defense, and there could be a lot of different, a little, lot of different, uh, a lot of different things that could happen there, and his job description could change in three or four different ways just on on that snap. Now all of a sudden he goes back to the next snap. He goes and he's playing the boundary, the number two week on the boundary side, and he's, that's where Speedy B is lined up, and it's a zone call. Now there's another three, four different calls that he could have to play and assignments he would have from there, and so on and so forth, moving to the, the outside where he lines up now. There's just so many variations. It would be really difficult for a guy to know all those jobs and the guys around you also have to change their job because now if you move into that that boundary slot spot, the boundary slot guy is going to have to move somewhere else. So th- that's why it doesn't happen that often. Sass does it. or He did it last year a lot. They don't do it this year as much, but um, Sass did it last year. And what it does is it just minim- it minimizes the amount of zone calls you can have. So instead of going in with eight different zone defenses or four different zone defenses, you might have two, which makes it easier for the OC on the other side. So you, it, it, he, I don't think you can affect the game enough as a cornerback unless you're playing, unless you're playing all those different spots and, and, and essentially taking away the other team's best receiver. DJ, if you're that good at at cornerback and you're that you're the most outstanding player in the Canadian Football League, I'm just gonna send my there's five receivers. I'm gonna take my fifth receiver, my worst receiver, and I'm gonna put him over top of you every snap. He's gonna go out to that boundary corner and he's gonna run a takeoff or a go, or he's gonna run a two yard hitch and stay there and stand there. And then now you're you're out of the essentially or you're actually out of the game and not involved in a game, and you can't affect the game that way. See, a couple things. Great analysis. One, two. Part of the reason why Trey is great is because people have done that. They have. Put basically receivers out there running for exercise on him and run two yard hitches. But he's so great that in something like cover two hang, he, well, as soon as the ball's in the air, he would just float off, get deep, get deep, and make an interception. So, so he, he, even when he's taken out of the play, has made plays. The other thing, and people listening to this will say, well, wait a minute. I watch. NFL all the time, and Josh Norman is with a guy all day, or you know, Darrell Revis in his prime was with a guy all day, or Deion Sanders in his prime was with a guy all day. What's the difference? Well, the difference is unlimited motion, and the the ability to in the NFL you have your X, your Y, your Z, you know virtually where they're going to be. They they could motion, but at some point they're going to have to stop. So. For a defensive defender, you can lock someone up, whether it's outside or on the slot, and you can make checks that don't compromise the rest of your defense. In the CFL, unless the guy that you wanted to lock your cover corner on in the entire game is the short side wideout, everyone else, you're probably not locking him up on the wide side wideout because that's the guy just running for exercise. But everyone else in the slot could be 
started to play on the short side, started to play on the weak side, flip, motion into the backfield and run. So that's the difficult part is if you're trailing a guy, well, that compromises the rest of your defense because you have no idea where he's going to start a play and when he's going to finish a play if, if, the, if the opposing coordinator is smart. Having said all that, I still want my guy Trey to get some love because I don't know if there is a player who, in his scheme, grades out higher week in, week out. He, Davis is just shaking his head at me. I, I cannot right. believe that I am drafting a bill to get defenders and specifically corners more love, and I thought it was a bipartisan issue, and you are, are not willing to co-sign it. Not, you heard it here first, not, and that's that will tell you because I'm al- I'm always a I'm always a pusher and an advocate for the defensive backs in this league, which is such a tough job. The famous my famous line I will always say, and this usually shuts it up, is is that when you when you talk to your friends and you hear people discuss the league, it's always and this goes for the NFL as well. It's always that guy's a bum. This guy's no good. If if these guys aren't good. Why are they getting paid so much all the time? And why are they the highest paid guys on their teams or on their defenses or whatever it is? Their jobs are so tough. It's really difficult to be good because the only time you get talked about is when you're getting beat. If you're good, they're not going to talk about you because likely to your point and Trey Roberson's point, you're not getting the ball thrown to you. Just DJ, too hard to affect the game. And if you can't affect the game, you can't be the most outstanding. But uh, I appreciate your love and I appreciate... uh, where you're going, and yeah, go to .ca and check out the piece. It was it's well done, if uh, if not anything else. Even though you disagree, I'm going to start a clothing line. Let's start with some red hats. I'm going to hand them out a great cup. Make defense great again. I'm not wearing it. Yeah, I know you're not, because you're a hater. All right, it's time for objectionable conduct. I've got two for you this week. Can you explain? What is going on in the mind of Rodney Smith? No, not the CFL host, the CFL ride receiver, who on two occasions, first Dakota Prukup's first TD pass, and maybe you could excuse it because it's not his first time in the league. So Dakota Prukup threw his first career touchdown pass to Rodney Smith, who probably <laughs> threw the ball out of the stadium. Yeah, this was Rodney's celebration. Whoa. Throwing it to the fans, got a little too much on the throw. And then later said, my bad. <laughs> Sorry about that. Then later in the same game. And O'Connor looking to the end zone to Smith. Touchdown! And this time he hangs on to the ball. He did. Oh, no. He, he did it. it again. He threw it in the stands. Rodney Smith did it again. Oh. <laughs> now, that ball is in the stands. So they should be able to retrieve it. Now, McLeod Bethel Thompson might be the only quarterback left who will throw Rodney Smith a pass at this point. <laughs> I thought he was gonna I thought he was gonna hang on well, to it. He caught this ball and and I mean let's celebrate the first career CFL touchdown pass from Michael O'Connor. But he catches his ball and we're both up here thinking there's no way he's gonna throw the ball in the stands again. What is the proper protocol? On the sidelines, when a guy does something memorable, breaks a record, gets a first, in terms of what the equipment manager needs to do and what those other teammates need to do. The first thing I question about Rodney Smith is his level of awareness. If you're breaking the huddle, 
You hear the call. You know who's in the game. You know your teammates. You're aware of their history, their path, their first time ever in a CFL game. When you caught the ball, you would have thought that's, wow, that's Michael O'Connor's first ever CFL touchdown pass, first ever game. That's Dakota Prukop's first touchdown. You would know that because you're aware of their path. Rodney was not aware. Now, sometimes you get caught up in the hype of what's going on in the game, and you're excited. So, and then watching Rodney's post game with Matt Chinetti, Rodney seems like a good dude, good heart, and he just got excited. So, uh, it's definitely knuckleheadish to not know your, especially the second time. Uh, to not know uh, the situation of your quarterbacks, but I'm not going to put him in and say he's a selfish guy that doesn't have a clue. He just, I think he just got excited. Some other guys, if they didn't come off, if they didn't come off the way he came off in the post game, I would say you're probably selfish and not understanding um, what your teammates going through. The excitement, you should be ex- excited that. The rookie just threw his first touchdown. You would know that if you were aware. Throwing the ball in the stands is not even a good celebration. Like it's kind of played out. It's yeah. one thing if it was a great celebration, but like, really? Yeah. For that? Yeah, I'm with you. All right, let's put that to bed. Let's kill that topic. And I, I don't want this segment to be morbid at all. But in, Oh, God, where ev- are you going? Everyone's been to a, a funeral before. They can be certainly solemn, reflective. Um, I, I want mine to be a joyous occasion. I want it to be a celebration of life. And uh, someone actually took that maybe a little too far. In uh, Ireland, in a town just outside of Dublin, a former member of the Irish Defense Force, veteran Shea Bradley, has passed away. People are there to commemorate that. And he did a little something different when his casket was, was laid to rest. He played a prank on every, everyone involved. He pre-recorded a message of his voice in the casket screaming to let him out. Hello? Hello? Let me out! Hello? Hello? Let me out! I'm dying in here! That is absolutely amazing. I, I love it. I absolutely love that. Do you love it? Because yes. I would be scared. That's great. I mean, everyone clearly there knew him and laughed and kind of got that was his sense of humor. So he was obviously a prankster while he was with us. I would be sprinting out of that cemetery. But on the flip side, I love the idea so much that I kind of want to do it myself. That's pretty good. I, I thought that was great. Yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty cool. So what would your reaction be if you are at the ceremony? Um, I, he's if I'm at the ceremony, he's a friend of mine, and I'm I'm laughing with him, and I'm uh, having a good a good smile, and a uh, yeah, and a, a nudge and a smile with the rest of uh, his his family and friends who would find that funny. That's great. I think that's awesome. This pod has been awesome.
Thank you, David. CJ. Say it ain't so. We done? We're done.